if it comes around and it's six months, 12 months, two years down the road, you want to be top of mind. And the only way you're going to do that is by building those relationships and trying to kind of nurture them over time. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best flipping series ever presented by Patch of Land. I'm so excited to um, do this special series for you and, you know, really talk to all the the, the best flippers in the business and get their best ever strategies for, you know, how to successfully flip properties. And, you know, uh, if you've been following the show for a while, you know, I'm personally not an expert in flipping because I've never done it. And so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. But the panelists that we have on in this series, they are experts. They're currently and actively doing it. And they're going to give you advanced strategies for how to make it happen. And we've structured it in a very, very complicated way. So I, I'm going to tell you how it is and, and you're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to tell you how to find it, how to fund it, how to fix it and how to flip it. That's it. Really simple, right? So those four ways, first, how to find it, then how to fund it, then how to fix it, then how to flip it. So as you can imagine, if you're counting on your fingers, that is a four-part series. So in the today's episode, we're going to focus on finding your flip and advanced strategies for that. And you know, really talking to some of the best ever panelists that we have on today's show, they mentioned that you know a couple of the, the main questions they always get is one, how do you find your flip? What's the process? What's the best way? So we're going to uncover some ways for you to find that flip and um, get into the details and advanced strategies. So with that being said, and before I introduce our esteemed colleagues and the best ever panelists, first, we have to hear from, or we get to hear from our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, because they are making it all possible. So let's pause for a very quick word from them. My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. All right, let's get right into it. First up, we have Nasir El Arabi. He is the founder of Real Estate Busters, and he is. Uh, you can check him out at realestateduru.com. We also have Justin Williams, who's founder of House Flipping HQ, and you can find him at houseflippinghq.com. Uh, we have Mike Hambright, who is the founder of Flip Nerd, and you can find him out 
at flipnerd.com. And we have Doug Cochran, who you've heard on the show a couple times before. And he is the Senior Vice President of Acquisitions and Underwriting at Patchland. So first, let's hear from Nasser. And um, Nasser, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your experience in flipping homes? Yes, I can. And uh, thank you for this opportunity for being on this call. Just to let your, um, our listeners know, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I did my first flip, I want to say, seven years ago, and that was a uh, disaster. I end up losing about 7000 on it. So you can lose your shirt uh, flipping properties if you don't know what you're doing. Like, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. And I just... Yes, to be honest, I just got back into uh, renovating and selling houses, I want to say last year. Actively, um, so right now I have about five properties, five active projects going on. And as far as me, um, you know, my background, I do wholesaling. I, I renovate properties. I also do some landlord here in Charlotte. I'm a full-time investor like the other guys on the call as well. And as far as my best strategy to finding deals will have to be direct mail. I, I like to go after off-market properties, and the reason why I like to go after off-market properties is because it's less competition. I'm currently in, in a hot market, and when you're in a hot market and you're going after properties on the MLS or at the foreclosure auction, you get into what is called competition. And once you start bidding prices up, what happens is you're actually you going to dip into your profit until you get to a point where as the spread is not safe enough to take. Now, uh, being that you know, I lost my sh- uh, lost money in the rehab. I know how to properly evaluate the deal and make sure that I have a safe enough spread that I can make a profit. All right, and I've got a couple follow up questions for you there. Let's let's go do the round table and then we'll we'll come back. So, Justin Williams, founder of House Flipping HQ, HouseFlipping.com. Justin, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. So, I have been a full time investor for eight years now. I've flipped over 425 houses. I'm currently flipping over 100 houses per year. Hopefully, we can hit between 150 and 200 this year. And I really focus on systems. I'm all fix and flip, and I I do California and several other states. And to me, it's all about systems. Um, I currently just put a few hours a week into my house flipping business because I have systems and other people uh, doing most of it for me. So yeah, hopefully, we can get into that some more of that throughout this series. Okay. And Mike, if you can just give your background and then I'll, I'll come back and ask you what's your best advice ever for the deal. So Mike, founder of FlipNerd, can you give a little bit about your background? Sure, Joe. Yeah. Mike Hambright, uh, FlipNerd.com. I had never bought a house in my life until um, the summer of 2008. So about six and a half years ago, had no experience in real estate, was just a corporate guy. And my wife and I dove into this and uh, we bought about uh, 300 houses in the past six years. Um, we uh, kind of during that time, a number of other things have happened. Like you know, businesses have come up. Uh, like we have a rental portfolio now and other things. So uh, we don't. We for a while we were doing you know 70 or so houses a year. Probably about half of that now. But we have a large coaching business where we coach a team of people that buy maybe 600 houses a year. And um, I have a rental portfolio, and of course, I have the uh, Flip Nerd uh, show and podcast and some other things. So really kind of getting started in real estate and having a good level of success there has kind of spurred, you know, bolt-on uh, businesses. I will say out of those 300 properties, including ones that we've kept as rentals or rehabbed and resold, we've probably rehabbed 
about 200 of those is, is my rough guess. So fair bit of experience with, uh, with rehabbing. And Doug Cochran, Senior Vice President of Acquisitions and Underwriting at Patch of Land. Can you give a little bit about your background? Sure, Joe. Thanks again for having me back on the show. Very happy to be back. A um, little bit about my background is I started off in real estate over 20 years ago, flipping properties in the Boston area. Uh, got into appraising. I was a licensed appraiser for a number of years, as well as uh, uh, an originator and eventually an underwriter. Uh, for some major uh, mortgage companies in the Boston area and was also a uh, project manager for a construction company. Uh, so I have a pretty be- very background. I guess that's why I'm senior underwriter now. <laughs> uh, and as far as uh, the uh, best ever way to find properties uh, that I found was uh, just getting the word out uh, to everybody and any- anybody you know what you're looking for, what business you're in, types of properties you want, uh, really being plugged into your local area, um, you know, with uh, attorneys, financial planners, CPAs, um, people who are trusted advisors to people. Um, those are the, typically the best ways that I found uh, and that uh, a lot of my clients had found um, just to be plugged into your local area. Okay. And now let's snake back and let's go come back to Mike. And Mike, I'm going to ask you this specific question. What's the best ever way to find a good flipping deal? Sure. I think uh, I'm going to be, I'll say something a little bit different because I know that uh, some of the, I don't want to steal thunder from some of the other guys that'll use some of the more traditional routes because I do a lot of direct marketing, direct mail and internet initiatives. We do a lot of outdoor advertising, things like that. But, you know, one of the things that I think uh, gets overlooked is is just networking to find deals. Um, and, and it's not necessarily networking at RIA club events or networking at other things. It's, it's uh, finding, you know, just letting everybody know you're in the business. We, you know, handing out a lot of business cards. And uh, most importantly, I would say, um, some people may have heard me say this before, but if you go to a <clears throat> investor club event, a lot of people will say, you know, they're good at networking. They go to events, they hand out business cards, they get a pocket full of business cards. Now, here's the challenge that I that I give to people is a lot of people, uh, you know, go to an event, get a bunch of business cards, come back to their home or their office, put a rubber band around all those business cards and throw it in a drawer to never be seen again. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a lot of people that would say that they're good at networking and meeting people. But what what they they don't do the most important part, which is to build upon those relationships and find ways to reach out to people and kind of you know, tap them on the shoulder and say, I'm still here. So, um, just to be a little bit different from probably what some of the other folks will say is I think it's important to build those relationships with people over long periods of time, whether it's, you know, emailing out, here's a picture of a disgusting house that I just bought. And here's like the before and after pictures or whatever it might be. And just kind of entertain them and enrich them a little bit to give them an experience. And then just say, Hey, just as a reminder, if you have ever come across anything like this, you know, I'm interested. And the important thing is there's a lot of people that you'll meet that do not have a deal today. It's not like you're going to go to a club, real estate club, and say, well, I, I buy houses. And somebody say, well, I have a house to sell. Well, let's sign a contract right here. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. So, you know, if it comes around and it's six months, 12 months, two years down the road, you want to be top of mind. And the only way you're going to do that is by building those relationships and trying to kind of nurture them over time. And Justin, what's the best ever way to find a good flipping deal? All right. So great, great feedback from everybody. Um, you know, the basically the main ways you can buy houses are auctions. 
you can go on the MLS, you can do direct marketing, uh, networking, as, as some people talked about, uh, or buy from, from wholesalers. So to me, um, people always ask me, how do you buy so many houses? How do you buy such huge volume of houses? And it really comes down to, uh, you got to understand what a good deal looks like. And then good deals, in my opinion, are not so much found, like as in you find them under a rock, but they're more created through either a relationship with the seller directly, you, know, you, you uh, find out what they need, or for me more specifically, it's through creating systems. And it's finding other people that can help you, teaching them what you're looking for, and having them help you buy those houses. So for me, I will partner with lots of people who have experience in the business, and I'll find out what they need, just like you would with a seller. You want to find out their needs. I'll find out what is this wholesaler's needs? How can I help them? Uh, for example, sometimes I will pay for extra marketing for them, and then I'll be their built-in buyer, and then they help me manage the property. So I build those relationships, and that's what helps me to really buy uh, a large volume of houses. And I, I believe, Nasser, you, you mentioned direct mail, so you mentioned yours already, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so I've got some follow-up questions for you all, some specific to, you know, to some and then some for the group. Mike, you'd mentioned that you know, pocketful business cards doesn't really mean anything if you don't do anything with them. And you, you know, building upon the relationships, you know, it just likely won't happen where you go to a meeting, somebody has a deal, you do a deal. It's, it's really staying in touch in a relevant way. I know from my experience just looking at your stuff online at flipner.com, you do a darn good job of branding. Is it important to be a marketing genius to be successful at flipping because you have to stay relevant with people on an ongoing basis? And if so, or if not, regardless of that answer, can you give some specific tips on how to stay relevant on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I don't think you have to be a genius because I don't think I'm a genius at anything. But, uh, you know, I do think that it's important that the markets, uh, markets change. I mean, there are things that are um, very relevant today that weren't as important in, in years past, which so like generating uh, leads online. Obviously, you know, five years ago, that was nothing like it is now. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of understand where your competition's at, where are your potential sellers at, like what's, you know, you, that's, that's who you want to go after. But how can you stay competitive and uh, where do, how do you find those sellers? You know, again, I don't think you need to be a genius, but I think one of the things that is the most critical that I think everybody will agree with is consistency. You've got to be consistent. It's got to be so consistent that it bores the heck out of you. Um, but that's not supposed to be the exciting part of your business. So whatever you do from a marketing standpoint, it really is critical to just do it over and over and over again. Of course, you need to kind of monitor results as this working and tweak over time. But, you know, for direct mail, for example, Everybody that's great at direct mail would tell you that they have campaigns, they hit on a certain frequency, they have certain lists that they mail to, but they do it in a very systematic approach because, you know, back to kind of my comparison of uh, networking is you want what's, – what's important is that you're there when that person's ready to sell um, or that you're in front of them when they're ready to make a decision to sell. And uh, that's why tire companies and mattress companies send out a massive amount of direct mail right to your house. It's like, how often do you buy a mattress? Like, never. But the day you're ready to buy a mattress or tires and you get that flyer in the mail, you know, it has a huge impact on their business because they're there when you needed them. What is one way you mentioned consistency is important? If you could only do one tactic 
for generating leads, what would you do and how consistently would you do it and how would you implement it? What type of online software would you use or if it's not online, what type of you know mechanism would you use? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of, I'll, I'll say direct mail, uh, but <clears throat> there's a lot of different ways that different people do it based on what the list is. So in terms of kind of how to be consistent, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, most people that are doing it in any sort of volume really are just placing orders. They're not doing things out of their office. But I would say, you know, something as simple as your calendar is important just to set the strategy. I mean, I, I most people that are successful at direct mail could tell you what they're going to do every week or every month for the rest of the year. And they've got it kind of programmed like that. So they don't have to think about it. They just uh, make a decision, kind of here's what my strategy is going to be for the year. And if you're going to hit a list every three months, you would literally just have a plan in place to make sure that your order is being put in on you know January 1st, April 1st, July 1st, whatever. The th- I, I lost count of months here. But just so it just happens like clockwork and you don't have to think about it. I think that's where a lot of investors fail is they put themselves in a situation where they have to rethink what they're going to do or what they should be doing. And uh, then they get out of that consistent rhythm. Uh, and then from there, they you know they have very inconsistent results. And quite frankly, this is a really inconsistent business already. So you shouldn't do anything to exacerbate that. Justin, do you think that consistency is more important than creativity? Because I know you said good deals aren't found, they are created. Oh, I mean, it depends on your strategy, right? I mean, everyone has a different niche. Everyone has a different focus. I'm not Mr. Creative when it comes to like structuring a creative deal, but I like to structure creative relationships, creative partnerships. So for me personally, I I guess you could say that would be more important. I mean, for example, uh, at the mastermind meeting I was at last week, I bought six houses from one person. So just building that one. I mean, to me, relationships are really what it's all about. You have to learn the fundamentals to get started. But after that, it's all about building relationships and working with other people. So for me, buying seven houses from that one individual, it's like if I play my cards right, that person could potentially sell me all the houses I need for the next several years, right? So it just depends what your niche is and, and what your what your focus is. And what is the Number one way that you stay relevant to individuals that you meet on, you know, say you're at a networking event or you're at the grocery store. You perform. You perform, you perform, and you overperform. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I ever did from one of my for one of my main wholesalers is not only did I do what I say I was gonna do when I said I was gonna do it, but after we closed on the deal, um, I took him out to eat and you know, I gave him 10 had 10 Ben Franklin's that I gave him afterwards. And he looked at me and he said, you know, that is the best marketing that I've ever seen anybody do. And who do you think he called for the next house? Um, so it's just taking care of other people. Um, a lot of times we learn about negotiation. It's like, how can I be the best negotiator? And when it comes to relationships, especially like working with other people and developing those relationships that will take care of you over time, you, it's a win-win. Not You're creating what makes sense for both of you, not just what can what's in it for you, right? Nasser, what have you seen from a direct mail standpoint that tends to get good responses? From what I've seen, it's just basically nothing. I I, I don't get into too much fancy mail. I just like worded mail that basically just says I'm an investor and I want to buy a house. 
And the reason why I like that, because when people call, I want them to know that I am an investor and I'm looking to make money. I really don't like a lot of the curiosity calls. Some mail pieces, they create curiosity and people just want to call and see, you know, why you mailed them or or they just learn, you know, hey, I'm not selling my house. I like pieces that give me the response that I'm looking for. And the response I'm looking for, I, I, yes, but just tell me, oh, no, just take me off your list. But I, I, that's the things that I like. I, I don't really get into the fancy mailings and things like that. I just do a lot of just regular mail that's worded and basically says I want to buy your house and I'm an investor. I've got one final question that I'd love for each of you to answer. And it's going to be, what is the most surprising thing that the best ever listeners who are just starting out flipping, or perhaps they're in the game of, of flipping already, um, but about the flipping process. So what's the most surprising thing you think um, that the best ever listeners would find surprising about the flipping? And before we answer that, so go ahead and start thinking about it. Before we answer that, a very quick word from our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Nasser, let's go ahead and kick it off with you. What is the most surprising thing about finding a good flipping deal? The most surprising thing about finding a good flipping deal, in my experience, uh, it doesn't matter how good you calculate your numbers. It, if it seems as if I'm always over budget. And what can you do to reconcile that? I mean, is is there anything you can do? I mean, yeah, you just want to make sure you have that a, a proper uh, a profit margin. So, for example, I don't take um, skinny profit margins. So. Oh, I just make sure it's enough meat on the bone so that when error does happen or like, for example, when you're remodeling the floor and you're tearing, they're tearing things apart and um, changing the floor plan, you're bound to found, you're buying, bound to find things that you didn't see because they were covered in the walls, under the floor, things like that. So when you discover those things, you just want to have enough buffer and a potential profit that you can still make a profit on that deal. And what would you define as enough meat on the bone when you when you underwrite a deal? What percent are you looking for? I really don't go off percentage. I, I what I try to do is follow a third, a third, and a third. So for example, if I get a house for a hundred, I want to put a hundred into it and ideally sell it for three hundred. Of of course, at the end of when you actually sell it, it doesn't it doesn't actually calculate like that. I might make around sixty or seventy off that house at the end of everything. But I just like to use that formula when I approach it, approach a deal. Justin, um, okay. So, what is something that is unexpected that happens? Yeah, what's something that people would find surprising? What I would say is experienced real estate investors or house flippers know that it's not about um, so much. The financing, it's not so much about the rehabbing. It's all about being able to get that deal, being able to tie up the deal, get the deal under contract. you got to understand how to analyze it, what your returns are going to be, and you've got to be able to get those houses under contract. If you can do that, you will be successful in this business, and the rest will pretty much take care of itself. I just see so many new investors get so caught up in steps two, three, and four before they figured out step one. And I see a lot of those people get burnt out before they ever reach any level level of success. 
how do you get it under contract? How can you, you know, start learning that process or do you have, I mean, do you have a tip that you can give the best ever listeners to kind of speed along that curve? Well, I mean, I always tell people, you know, the three C's of house flipping success. You got to know the contents. You got to know, you got to know the fundamentals, right? You got to, you got to learn the basics. So you've got to know, okay, how do I market to a house? How do I, it depends. You got to pick your buying strategy. How do you want to buy? And then just go for it. Like you're not going to know everything. You're going to feel like you're sounding dumb at the beginning, but go for it. And then you can go back to a mentor or someone who you're working with and ask questions like, oh, they asked me for this. They asked me for this. You know, so I, the three C's content corridor means take action, enter the corridor. And three is community. You got to have people that you can go back to that you can ask questions to. And to me, that's the you know recipe for for success. What were those three? Content corridor and what? Content corridor. You got to enter the corridor. And three is community. You have to have mentors or other like-minded people who are on the same um, same page as you that you can go back to and and ask questions to. Mike. Yeah, I think um, you know this is some, something that took some time for me to learn. Part of it was I entered in a uh, a really a buyer's market. Uh, and now we're more, much more in a seller's market in most markets across the country. I think one of the things that um, is somewhat counterintuitive for newer folks uh, with rehabs is that you need to totally knock them out. Um, and by that I mean, you know, uh, total, make it the nicest house in the neighborhood. And that's how I was for years. Everything was nice. We, were, we had a lot of pride in it. Um, it got to a point to where you take more pride in the work than focus on profit in the business. And I don't say to cut corners and – um, you know, do things that are uh, dishonest or anything like that at all. Not that's not what I'm saying at all. But sometimes it's good to um, not go all out and sell it as more of a value play. I mean, when you just like retailers, I mean, you kind of have Walmart that's a value play, and you have you know Neiman Marcus or Nordstroms or whatever that's more of the uh, quality play. And you kind of have those two levers that you can move back and forth. And I think for a long time. And I think a lot of newer real estate investors are like this. And for a long time for me, I was only using the quality lever, trying to make it as nice as I possibly could. And quite frankly, in many instances, making it too nice to where um, I didn't get the appraised value that I wanted out of it. We couldn't sell it for as much as we needed to. Um, and it didn't sell quite as fast. Uh, but in this market, I think there's a play to be more of a, a value play and you know, sell it for less than you normally would, but you put less into it than you normally would. And there's a market for that as well if, if you're in the right neighborhood. Doug? Yeah, I think just um, kind of adding to what the other guys said, but uh, in, in particular, uh, Justin is having the, the uh, community around you. There, there's a lot of money available. And I think that, that does surprise people. I think it's a matter of uh, uh, getting finding the deal and uh, having a good exit strategy, but, but not being afraid to go forward with the deal. Uh, there's a lot of money out there to help support uh, guys like uh, that we have on the show here today. And you know, you'll figure out the deal and have a community around you that helps support you uh, to help if you're, if you're new to it and you're not really sure about what you're doing. There's a lot of people out there that'll help you out. And I think building a community around you is, is key to success and not being afraid to, to make the first step and go forward. Find the deal and the money will find you. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners on how to find the best flipping deal ever. 
And you know, this is only part one of our four-part series. And Doug, I don't know if, if you're just you've been doing the show, you know, for three, four times now. I don't know if you're just so natural, but you've naturally segued into the next the next episode that we're doing, and that is how to fund your flip. And certainly Doug from Patch of Land will have you know some good information on that and perspective, and so will the rest of the gentlemen. I mean, for this episode, this was fantastic with you know how to find good flipping deals. And you know, I as I always do, I, I take a whole lot of notes while you all are talking. And just some of the takeaways I got was uh, something that uh, Nasser said, like right at the end, where how he evaluates deals, the third, the third, the third rule. And I think that is something that makes sense to me. You know, you you buy it for a third, a hundred thousand, then you sell it, or you put a hundred thousand into it, and then you you sell it for another hundred thousand on top of that, so three hundred thousand. That's perfectly logical, and I don't know if the the other flippers out there use that rule, but that makes a whole lot of sense and makes the math really nice and and round for me. And then, you know, as far as when Justin was talking about good deals aren't found, they are created. And from a high-level standpoint, I think that's really what this conversation was around where, you know, it's really about relationships. I mean, we talked a little bit about direct mail, but it's interesting. The more I do these shows, the more I realize that it's number one is it's a relationship business and uh, it's a relationship life, quite frankly. But when we're talking about real estate, it's a relationship business. And really it's about how do we maintain an ongoing, relevant and value added conversation with the with with our customers, with our friends. And, you know, people call it content marketing. I call it friendship marketing. How, how do we maintain those friendships over a long period of time and stay relevant? Because just as Mike said, you're not going to come, you're, you're likely not going to go to an event and somebody's going to have a deal and you do it immediately on the spot. Or in some cases, you'll go to a mastermind like Justin and buy six properties from somebody. But perhaps that's not the case on an ongoing basis. And really, it's about having that conversation on, you know, on an ongoing basis um, so that you're able to get more deals done. And, you know, it, it, as, as Justin mentioned, also the experienced real estate investors or house flippers know it's about being able to tie up the deal and then have strategy. So that de- definitely comes with the education standpoint. And then I think the underlying theme through all this is also the community aspect of things where you need to have support from you know shows like this and uh, people on this show who are who are giving their their advice. So thank you so much, everyone. Um, and really excited. We're actually next week, next Sunday, we're going to talk to you about how to find the funds for your best flipping deal ever. So with that being said, definitely go to patchofland.com. Go see how you can fund your deals and go see some case studies of, of what's been done successfully. And then next week, we're going to talk about funding more in depth. So thanks a lot, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.